Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited to, uh, to kind of conclude, put the finishing touches on uh, this series that we've been walking through, studying Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, and at the same time, his universal truth, his letter to us. And I'm reminded specifically of a class that I took in high school. It was one that was, a, it was kind of a, a credit filler for me. I, I was interested in the topic and the subject, and I wanted to try it out. And it was a class called Drafting. And I remember specifically in the class, there was a lot of things that we had to do in the drafting class. And one of the things that we had to do was take this specific test that would take place about every month. We'd have a a test that was kind of a review of what we had to do. And I remember that the way that this test went, because it it sticks out because of the way that uh, it was processed and the way that we were able to continue to respond to it. The way that it would start is this. We'd begin class with the test, and the the, the teacher would give it to each one of us. We'd sit down, and we would answer all the questions that we could. Uh, And and if you could answer them all, that would be great. And then when you were done, you would turn it in, or you would, uh, in many cases, he would have you just give it to your neighbor. And as your neighbor would read it over, as he would give us the answers, they would check the ones that were incorrect, which isn't necessarily a new or novel thing. That happens a lot in in the classroom. And then when they were done, they would give it back to you. And then at that point, the drafting teacher would say, okay, how did we do? And he'd kind of walk through and look at everybody's uh, tests and see how everyone did. And at that point, if if there was a lot of, uh, uh, I would say, bad grades in the class, or maybe not good grades is a better way uh, to put that. Uh, It's not necessarily as discouraging. Uh, If there was a lot of not good grades, he would say, okay, everybody, you can pull out your notes. And now we're going to take the test again. And so we would take the test again, this time with your notes, and you kind of walk through. And, and this didn't always happen, but at the conclusion of that, you'd pass it to the neighbor, and they would grade it again, they'd give it back. And this didn't always happen, but what would happen after that, if you didn't do well, if you still had a not good grade after two times taking the test, using your notes the second time, knowing what the questions were going to be, you'd say, okay, now you can group up in either pairs or groups of three, And we're going to take the test again. You can share answers with each other. You can look at the notes. You can do all these things so that you can get the answers right on the test. And part of it was he wanted us to continue to have that that repetition of the answers, repetition of the questions. And so that was part of it too. It wasn't as much about the grade on the test. It was more about understanding the content as we walked through it several times throughout the class. But one thing that I recognize and I see is very applicable to what Paul did with the church in Colossae is he said, okay, here are the nuts and bolts. Here's the the core of the message I'm trying to give to you. Here's who God is. Here's what he's done. Here's what his his response is. And as the passage goes on, or as the, the letter goes on, he does this thing where he says, okay, here's the main core. Did you miss that? Okay, well then let me give you this opportunity. Here's some more of it. And he gets a little more descriptive. Did you miss that? Are you not getting it? Okay, well, here's some more. And then finally, this last, this last part of the, of the letter, if you haven't read this before, we're going to go through a little bit of it today. This last part of the letter, what he does is profound. He says, okay, I'm just going to give you all the practical answers. This is what I mean. This is what the Holy Spirit's put on my heart. And so today, if this is your first time, you picked a good week to be here. Uh, I do want you to come every week. I want you to know that. But you picked a good week to be here because Paul summarizes all the things he's trying to say with some very practical and specific instructions for the Christ follower. 
And he's given us the open book test, and he's also given us a group to be able to engage and embrace these concepts with. And now he's saying, I want you to go and live differently in response to it. I want you to be reset. I want you to reset all that you are. I'm sitting here in prison. I'm writing this church I've not necessarily met. I'm saying, here, let's go. Let's do this thing. The title today to this sermon is Human Law and God's Call, and Paul is bringing forth and embracing this balance of recognizing there are specific things to do, there's what we would consider rules in the world, and there's also engaging and embracing God's call in our life, this this transformation that takes place within the concepts of the balance. I'll just do a quick uh, back check on the last three. The first week, we responded to who God is. We recognize what God is about, what he's done. He's the cornerstone. He's the redeemer. He's the giver of all wisdom. He's the unifier. He is for all. In the second week, and in Colossians chapter 2, we read about our response. Not only is God the one who brings forth light into the world, but he expects us to respond to it. He gives us the opportunity to embrace him, to know him. And he says, don't be detached from the head. Instead, I am the head of the church, and I want you to be engaged with me. In fact, the central heresy that Paul points out is that they were not attached to the church. He says, sadly, I want you to come back and be part of, of, of me once again. And even now in this world, that same call is needed. And then last week we talked about old self and new self. And I heard some, uh, some varying responses, particularly even to the illustrations from last week. One being about this prison that we find ourselves in, like the monkey holding onto that thing and, and imprisoning ourselves. And I heard somebody else talk about how their dog got uh, sprayed by a skunk this past week. And at the same time, they could relate to that whole smell of the, of the garments they wear, whatever that might look like for you. Spiritually, the concept is so true. God calls us and he brings forth the opportunity for us to take off the old self. He takes off this old garment and puts on new for us. And with all of the concepts we're going to look at today in this this succinct moment of recognizing Paul's very uh, direct commands and encouragements, we can see how they would become very legalistic if we don't have those steps to look at. That God, the creator, loves us. He calls us to respond and he does so under his power and his leading. He says, look, it's not just about your doing, but it's about your being, who you are, a posturing of a pure heart. And now if you've been part of this series at all, you recognize that a lot of times I kind of set that up and then I jump into a moment to share the passage. And I I didn't script this at all. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask right now, is is there a father in the room that would like to come up and read the passage this morning? I'm a father, so I can fill the role if I have to. All right, we got a volunteer. I don't often do this kind of thing because you don't know how, it's gonna, how people are going to respond, but what I will say is when the Spirit leads, you follow. Sure. So we're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 4, verse 6. It'll be on the screen. And uh, Austin is going to read the passage today. And I, it starts down here. Sorry, the little letters. <laughs> All right. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to curry in their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. 
Whatever you do, work, with, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 18, four, six, okay. <laughs> Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may pro proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We give show Austin our appreciation. I don't know how or, or why God works the way that he does, but certainly I want to be respondent of him. So thank you, Austin. I appreciate that. As we look at this passage, we see there's some specific notes there, some specific things that Paul walks through, and particularly as it starts off in verse 18, we see some uh, very detailed things that he calls his readers to recognize. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting, as fitting in the Lord. And this concept recognizes that there is a, a, a response that's necessary for wives as they engage their husband, but at the same time, there's responsibility for the husband as it's fitting to the Lord, recognizes that the husband should or, or must follow the Lord should he be submitted to. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. And then finally, this last one, this is kind of puzzling, but it says, slaves, obey your earthly master in everything and everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and, a curry their, and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And I, I know that that can be uh, puzzling for us, particularly with the history that we have as a country, but this concept of slave and master in that time, what Paul is attempting to try to, to get across is not necessarily that relationship, but the recognition that we should be just, we should be fair, we should be righteous with those that we have authority over. And so if you're sitting in the room and you are a boss or you are a teacher or you are a professor or you have subordinates, those are the people that you are called to be reverent to the Lord towards in heart and sincerity so that you might honor him in your relationship with those that you preside over. This is the most practical of practical within the context of Paul's letter here and even in the context of many of the letters that he writes. But why the instruction for the Christian household? Why does it specifically say wives, husbands, kids, fathers? Why these specific instructions for those that are living within the Christian household? And I, I, I recognize this, perhaps you have before. Paul knew a very important truth. He knew actually the first point of our notes today, and that is this, that the home is ground zero for development. The home is so pivotal and pivotal and important. It's for insight and for wisdom and for growth. Get this, the home is the first and primary daycare. The home is the first and primary wrestling ring if you have young boys or if you have one at home that acts like a young boy sometimes. The home is the first and primary school. The, the home is the first and primary hospital or nurse's station. The home is the first and primary library. 
The home is the first and primary job. The home is the first and primary ministry. The home is the first and primary church. And for a child growing up in a home, what they absorb, what they recognize, this is ground zero for their development. More is absorbed and learned in the home than any other environment. Speaking of things you learn, perhaps you're like me. Sometimes you think about things that you maybe learned when you were younger and then were enlightened later on that that wasn't necessarily a normal thing. Anybody been there before? Well, we always did this. And you find out from your friends or you find out from your colleagues, oh, that's not necessarily how uh, it works in the rest of the world, right? That was just something that happened at your house. When I was younger, particularly uh, late elementary school, middle school, my bedtime was nine o'clock. And I remember around 8.50, maybe 8.55, that if we were getting real restless and it was time to kind of go to bed for the parents, my, my dad would sing this song. And it went like this, really easy lyrics. It would go like this. Come on, nine o'clock. Come on, nine o'clock. <laughs> I still hear that from time to time when my kids are being restless. And I remember going to a friend's house at a sleepover and it came close to nine o'clock and his parents didn't sing, come on nine o'clock. <laughs> and I said something about that. I said, well, what, when is he gonna, when's your parents gonna sing, come on nine o'clock? And they're like, that's not a thing. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was asking my wife, what are some things that you grew up thinking or knowing? And she told me in middle school, she found out that the TV had more than one channel. <laughs> Before that, she thought PBS was all the TV was for. That's all it was, was just one channel. I think about the things that my kids are going to pick up and they're going to use and they're going to they're think is a normal thing. And I'll just say this one now so you guys can all recognize it. There's a, there's a bucket that we have back in our, in our backwoods or next to our backwoods. And if you ever go back there and look in it, don't think anything bad. Of it. It's full of bones, Okay. And the bones are bones that we've collected from out in the back of the yard from different animals that may have expired. And we put them all in there and we talk about the bone bucket. And I, I look forward to the day when one of my kids comes home and says, hey, I went over to my girlfriend's house and they don't have a bone bucket. <laughs> we learn interesting things at home. We learn fundamental things at home. And I, I look back too and I think about the reality that my parents, they gave me the opportunity to recognize the priority of attending church fellowship, being with the church. I remember when, when, when my mom, every morning when she would sit, where she would sit to read her Bible every morning at the kitchen table. I recognize the importance of prayer before meals, before bed, and when we have something going on in our lives, Thanksgiving or something, when we, we're thankful or when we have them, something to pray for. And I see that the home was the place where I learned those things, the, things where I, the place where I in, in, engaged in those things, where I grew, where I knew them. The home was and still is ground zero for development. I put on your outline a few questions, and they're rhetorical in this room, but I encourage you to, to, to take some time to figure out what the answer might be with your family or even on your own as you depart today or throughout this week. And the question for that first one is this, what is one thing you learned from home? What's one thing you learned from home? What's one thing that, that you have embraced, have engaged, that you learned from home that you now are going to live differently as a response of, or you do live differently in response of? As Paul continues in this passage, picking up in verse 23, it says, whatever you do, not 
sometimes when you feel up to it or when you had a good night's sleep or when you're not hangry. Instead, it's whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will be received in, so that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. As he continues, he says, Every, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Part of the reason for this specific portion of the, the passage being put in there is Paul recognized that the person who was delivering this letter, Onesimus, was an actual slave of Philemon. And, and as he's embracing this recognition, there was this, this, this contrast or this conflict between these two. And he's trying to say directly to them, there needs to be an understanding that when you are engaging with somebody else, whether it be a, a family member or a friend or a boss or whoever it might be, when you embrace relationship with someone else, there must be this sense of respect, recognizing the fact that all you do and everything you say isn't necessarily for them as much as it is for your engagement with the creator of all. Against the resurfacing of this, this crucial common thing, we see this in, from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. It reads like this, so in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And the second point is this, do to others what you would have them do to you. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Okay, several months ago or several weeks ago, I said from the platform that I like Snickers bars. You guys remember this? From that time on, I have received gifts of Snickers bars. And I found something about myself that I like to receive Snickers bars. Okay, I like that. But you know what else I recognize in this passage and in the recognition of what God calls us to through Paul's writings and through Matthew's writings is that I'm supposed to treat others the way that I like to be treated. You see where we're going here? Are there any kids in here that like Snickers bars? Any parents that'll let them raise their hand right now? Yeah? All right, Carly, come up here. Come on up. Carly, I have something for you. So let me just tell you, when, when on Christmas, when I showed everybody this giant box with all the Snickers bars in it, I'm going to be totally upfront with you. My wife said after the service, because we we're going to my parents' house and my nieces and nephews would be there and everybody, she said to me, let's take that and we'll share them. And I said, no. <laughs> so in this moment, here's what I'm going to do. You tell me, Carly, here, I'll let you share it. What's your name? Carly. What's your last name? Hines. All right. Okay, so here we go. So Carly, I'm going to ask you one question. Do you like to receive Snickers bars? Yes. Yes. Okay, she said yes, everybody. So where I'm at, I don't need this, I guess, right? So where I'm at is this. If I'm to treat others the way I want to be treated, I need to give this Snickers bar to Carly. <laughs> Carly, there you go. Thank you. You are very welcome. Ho, 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 Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Now, Carly, you just told me that you like to receive Snickers bars. So wouldn't it stand to reason that you give away the Snickers bar that you just received because you like to receive them as well? Yes. Oh, my. She said yes. Do we have another person that likes Snickers bars? Maybe an adult this time. 
I don't see, no, oh, Savannah, come on up, Savannah. All right, Savannah, come on up. Carly, move over. Come on over to me. This is like a talk show. Yeah, yeah, move on over. Welcome up. Okay, Savannah, do you like to receive Snickers bars? I do. Okay, Carly, you know what to do. I love it. I love it. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Are you looking to share? Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> the only way to find the rightful owner of the Snickers bars, I'll cut it in half. Oh, sorry. That's a lesson for another day. All right. So, so Savannah has received the Snickers bar. Carly, you have given that up because you are treating someone else the way you want to be treated. Let me ask you this. Now, maybe initially you think, I missed out on the Snickers bar. I'm kind of sad about it. But how do you feel treating Savannah the way that you want to be treated? Good. Good. Simply put, simply put. Well, I can tell you one thing. I really love to receive Snickers bars. <laughs> and so I'm going to give you one too. Thank you. You're very welcome. Can I hear, hear a round of applause for these two? Sometimes there's sacrifice. Sometimes we have to dig deep to recognize how it looks or what it looks like to practically and tangibly treat someone the way that we want to be treated. But could we, maybe just could we, have the same openness, the same desire, the same action of Carly, who just said, yes. Yes, I'll give it up. Yes, I will, I will be selfless. I will express love to those around me. I'll put down maybe the, the, the things that I've been putting up to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, it's about me. It's about what I want. And just say yes to what God is calling us to do. And so here's the second rhetorical question for this space, but not rhetorical for your dinner table later or perhaps a conversation with a loved one, a spouse, or, uh, or, even, um, or even an accountability partner. The second question is this, how do you want to be treated? How do you want to be treated? Do you want to treat others in a way where they will receive Christ's love and, and receive a, an expression of Christ's love and even a way that we may be surprised or may not know is coming? Do we love others? Do we embrace others? Do we love others the way and treat others the way that we want to be treated? And then Paul concludes this specific portion in verse 2 through 6, and it reads like this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So Paul's in jail, and he's talking about this mystery of Christ. And the mystery of Christ isn't some magical thing. Instead, it's this mystery of how, is God's how does God's grace work? How do we receive it? How does it, all, how does it all make sense in our lives? And we recognize that part of the reason is because of the, the, the action and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 4, it says, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Not that I'd be... You know, I'd escape jail or I'd get out of the storm that I'm in, but instead that my life, my, my heart, everything that I am would be a light for the kingdom. Be wise in the way you act toward others, outsiders, excuse me, and make the most of every opportunity. And finally, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul is intentional here. In verse 2, we see this being watchful and thankful. In verse 5, we see be wise. In verse 6, he says, be full of grace. And he transitions from this, here's how you should treat others, and here's the things you should do, back to this, this calling, this recognition of being. 
The fact that we are to be, first of all, beings that, that are made in the image of God, but we are to be this life. We are to embrace the balance of being and doing, the action and presence. And it's simple in Paul's letter. And the bottom line for this series, the bottom line for Paul's letter, the bottom line is this. Make Christ the head of your life, your home, and within your sphere of influence. Make Christ the head of everything that you do, the head of every thought that you have, the the head of every way that you invest your time, your talent, and your treasure. The gospel is so simple. Yeah, we make it difficult and we have all these other things that we want to add to it, but it's so simple to recognize that all God calls us to do is make Christ the head and everything else will be an outpouring from that. Every action we have, every way that we live, everything that we do will be a response to it. I do want to just share some practical tips as you go, uh, as we kind of embrace this moment, as you go into the world and recognize that it's not always going to be easy in your personal life. How do you make God the the head? First, start each day with a meeting or each meeting or each class or each conversation you have with pre-prayer. Come to God and ask for him to indwell within you. Another thing you can do is read your Bible every day. God has given us this gift, the opportunity to be able to embrace him, ask the spirit to lead and then read it. And maybe this, before acting, before spending, before posting, before thinking, ask, does this honor God? Does this reveal that he is the head of my life? Is this the way that I want to be treated? At home, it's, it's uh, an amazing thing that we have to be able to embrace people within the context of where we live, whether it be, uh, you know, the, the people that, that live as neighbors or maybe extended family, or maybe even people that you are roommates with or your own family as well. Set time each day or each week to share God sightings. And God sightings are a moment where you can share how God moved in your life in a small way or a large way. Maybe take some time and, and, and read a family Bible story together where you as a, as a, as a family or as a, as a group sit down and you read just something and you allow God to wash over you his truth. Another thing you could do is have each person at home write down something on a, on a maybe at dinner when you're able to have a meal together or maybe in the evening write down something that, like a, on a gratitude journal or on a chalkboard, gratitude chalkboard where you write down, here are the things that I'm thankful for. Here are the things that God is doing or has done in my life. Or you could express the why, which is, this is a really interesting one. I'm going to choose to give rather than to receive because I want someone else to know about the, the, the gift that I have received. The why behind it, this, this recognition that it also gives the opportunity to segue to salvation. So do acts of goodness for other people, particularly those in your own context. And then finally, in your sphere of influence, I share this quote from John Wesley, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. What he means by that is use the gifts, the talents you have to to bring forth the resource, whatever it might be. Save those things so that you can use them when asked or called upon. And then finally, give everything that you can to those that God puts in your sphere of influence. In all of it, stay attached to the head. Several weeks ago, I talked about this chicken running around with its head cut off. Stay attached to the head. You know, when you separate the head coach from the team or the fuel line, uh, or you separate the, the, the batteries or the, the unplug the appliance, whatever it might be, it dies. It's over with. It doesn't make it. And so being attached, the body attached to the head is, is so important, particularly spiritually speaking whether for leadership or for power, for life, whatever those illustrations might be, but specifically connection is vital. Connection with God within the context of the body, the family of God is even more vital. 
And Paul's call, overarching call for all of us is don't forget your first love. Don't forget your true connection. Don't forget what you were actually called to as you focus on or you see or you're distracted by the things of this world. And so I ask you this final question, and we'll make this one rhetorical as well. How do you make Christ the head of your life, your home, and within your sphere of influence? And this is a reflection question. Often reflection is a way to grow because you reflect upon your life, you reflect upon your priority, and from that you respond differently because of what's taken place in your life. In essence, the core of that response is that we have the the opportunity through the gift of free will to make a decision because ultimately, if we're not attached to the head, it wasn't God's decision to move away from us. It was our decision to move away from him. And I'm going to close this time in prayer. And and the thing that I want to call upon now, the thing that I I feel that the Spirit really is leading from this passage is if you are in here now and you recognize in your life, whether you've never uh, responded to the gospel before, or maybe you're you're, you're living a life where you just kind of, it's mundane, you're kind of going through the motions, or maybe you've, you've intentionally stepped away from what God wants or what God's doing in your life. In this moment, in this time, respond to His Spirit and step back into it and allow God, call back, call back and ask God to once again be the head of your life. The practical stuff is good and it it flows out of it, but first and foremost, make the decision to allow God to be first. He loves you so much. He loves us so much, you and I, and he gives us this choice. And in that choice alone, it's a reflection once again, as we talked about earlier in the service, of the love that he's embraced for us. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.